0: Good morning, I'm looking forward to what we get to talk about this morning, and I am loving this series, Happily Ever After. Uh, How many of you have friends who really love doing things that you do not understand how they can stand doing that activity or that hobby? Anybody? On Wednesday, uh, we were sitting around, some of the staff were sitting around in in the cafe, and Rob, our lead pastor, turns to me and says, I ran a half marathon before breakfast this morning. Mm -hmm. And Stephen, my husband, says, why? Why would you do that? It was raining this morning. I personally like running. I mean, okay, jogging. I I like jogging and and walking, half walking, half jogging. But I do not go out in the rain. And some, some of the real runners here in this congregation have tried to tell me. They look like ordinary, nice citizens, right? But they have tried to tell me that I should try running in the rain. It's nice and cool. I'm like, my hair. Why would I want to do that to myself? Camping, we can put this in that list. Uh, camping, I have many friends who, who love it. I'll just say that mattresses are my friends. I am glad that I'm at that point of life, financial stability, where I've purchased a good mattress. I would like to keep sleeping on it. I value a working bathroom, you know, kitchen. We have, society has evolved you know, to a certain point, and I'm right there for the electricity. But there's something wonderful about sleeping out under the stars. There's something uh, awe-inspiring and expansive. And my friends who like camping, they get it. They get the why. They know why they do and what they love about it. We have friends who have been known to drive up to two hours to go to different ice cream places. Now, I love ice cream, but you know there's like a a freezer aisle of Price Chopper and like, (laughs) You want Moose Tracks? They got it. You want Mint Chocolate Chip? They got it in different flavors, different brands. I mean, they're just ice cream people. And they get to explore different areas of the state, of New England, and try unique flavors and varieties. This is why people start doing crazy things like the phenomenon of CrossFit. CrossFit is not on the surface of things intrinsically enjoyable, right? But, but people do it, and it helps you get in shape, and you feel better, and feel better, and people love it. This guy walks into a bar with an evangelical Christian, a vegan, and a CrossFitter. He knows because they told him all within the first five minutes. But lots of people are asking the same thing about following Jesus. Why? Why would you do that? Why do you do that? Like, you can sleep in on Sunday mornings. There's this thing called Sunday brunch. Uh, there are parks and activities for the kids on, on Sunday morning. There's the newspaper and bacon. Well, why'd you go? You went last week. You know, and last week, the preacher didn't have, you know, a big cardboard box on, on the stage, and we are going somewhere with that. But many are, people are asking, why? Why do you do that? And that's fine because everybody asks that about things that they are not currently into at that point in time. But many Christians can only stammer out some sort of an answer about, oh, you know, I, I, my family, this or that, or I, I just think it's right. Too many Christians do not have a compelling why, a compelling reason why they do what they do. I know for me, Following Jesus has been the best thing for me. As a child, as a teenager, uh, I was painfully shy, The, the stress of pressure and expectations and pain kind of all bottled up in my quiet little self. Jesus' forgiveness just really released and freed me. The guidance of the Holy Spirit, receiving Jesus' love, kind of the socialness of God has brought me a confidence and a peace and a joy that I could not have imagined otherwise, really. When I think about who I was at 15, at 16, I'm so much happier, so much freer, more confident now than I could have imagined we have a very compelling why. We know why it is we do what we, we, we do. But too many Christians are living without the full benefits of following Jesus. Too many Christians go to church on Sunday morning like, this is right, You know, this is what my family did, whatever. They're not living with the full benefits, the full goodness of what it means to follow Jesus. This morning we're going to be reading about some people who are missing out on some of the good stuff of following Jesus. Missing out on their why. We're going to be in the book of Acts. Acts, the Acts of the Disciples, is the history of the early church. What happened after Jesus came, lived, went went back to heaven? What did his followers do to continue his mission? We're going to be looking at Paul one of the early leaders of the church and what he did in a city called Ephesus. So before we turn to our scripture this morning, well, let's pray together. Jesus, we give you our attention. We lay aside the distractions of the day. We want to learn from you and your word. We want you to to change our hearts and our minds to give us some of that peace, give us some of that joy. We want to come close to you this morning as we give you our attention this morning, Jesus. We want to just really turn our hearts and our minds to receive from you this morning. We believe that you have good things for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. You want to read along with me? It's up on the screen. So if you have your own Bible, it says, while Paul was in Corinth, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior region until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Well, let's back that up then. What baptism did you experience? Paul asked. They replied, the baptism of John. John was Jesus' cousin. He was the last prophet who pointed and said, there's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be a Savior. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. The beginning part of this story, this is how most people live their Christian faith, is a religion of repentance without power and without joy. Is that what we want, folks? No. Let's see what this is about. So, The first thing that's just a little bit off is that they don't know the Holy Spirit. There's something not right about following Jesus and not knowing who the Holy Spirit is. It's like saying, I love Boston. I love the clam chowder. I love visiting Paul Revere's house. Who are the Red Sox? I've never heard of them. Like they go together. Jesus and the Holy Spirit come together. Listen, I do not care about being uh, charismatic or any of the other labels or, or descriptors that we can attach to uh, the Holy Spirit. I don't, I'm not like Pentecostal. I don't care about this vineyard theology or groups or ideologies. I care a lot about God. And following God and God is Father Son and Holy Spirit I mean like the universal symbol Father Son and Holy Spirit like this is what the Christian faith is about and I'm committed to being fully Trinitarian and giving care and attention and respect to God Father Son and Holy Spirit Jesus and the Holy Spirit are always connected the story of Jesus includes the Holy Spirit, if it's the real story of Jesus, it doesn't exclude the Holy Spirit. These 12 men, they had not received the Holy Spirit because they didn't know the full story of Jesus and hadn't been baptized into the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus, The Holy Spirit always points us to the cross. You know what the Holy Spirit's main job is if you were to write up a job description, a one-line resume for the Holy Spirit? It's to point people to Jesus. And we see again and again throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit shows up. He points people to Jesus again and again. It's what he loves to do. He does it throughout scriptures. And then Jesus, his work prepares people, prepares the world for the Holy Spirit. The cross kind of clears the way for the Holy Spirit, it cleans us up, it, it prepares us, it washes away dirt. Then the resurrection flings open the doors for the Holy Spirit. The resurrection brings in a new day and then Pentecost pours out the Holy Spirit. Jesus' death and resurrection are the climatic events of the Bible that usher in the new day of Jesus' reign and the age of the Holy Spirit. Out of the fullness of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection come the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that he is looking for followers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Too many churches separate this. The, the, they separate salvation and, and truth and Jesus' death from living in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Pentecost. They, they separate. Uh, over here, you, you are, get saved, you learn the truth, forgiveness of sins. And then over here, you have this spiritual side, you know, receiving love, healing, hearing from God. And let's be honest, this side is usually like an add-on. Uh, the author Simon Ponsby says that there is a mutual reciprocal and indivisible relationship between the cross and the spirit christians are always led from the cross to a deeper life in the spirit which leads us back to a deeper identification with christ on the cross when these folks learned the whole story of jesus the holy spirit was a part of the package Verses 5 and 6, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. From the pronouns used here, this happened to the whole group. They all got baptized, and they all received the Holy Spirit. It's for everyone. It's normative. It may not be normal for us, but it is normative for followers of Jesus. Let's talk real quick about what this looks like for them. Number one, they spoke in tongues. Now this can seriously weird some people out, but speaking in tongues is normal enough for Christians. I know Christians of all backgrounds, Catholic, Lutheran, uh, Baptist, who pray in some sort of a spiritual uh, language they don't know. And I think at the end of the day, Uh, It's actually a beautiful, encouraging thing and a useful tool. When we boil it down, simply speaking in tongues is, is speaking in a, a language when we are close to God's heart and our words kind of blend with God's heart. It can be a real human language. We see this in Acts 2. Uh, they, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they start speaking about Jesus in other known languages, Greek, Aramaic. If this is happening now, it would be speaking about Jesus in Chinese or, or French or it can be some sort of an utterance or expression outside of a set human language. In 1 Corinthians, it's called an angelic language, which I just think is is beautiful. It's when we stop praying in our own words, like, what do I need? I, I heard about this terrible thing. I should pray about that. What does God want me to pray about? It's when we stop thinking about what we need to be praying about, and we just let God pray in words that are too great for us to, even understand what they mean. Praying in tongues, I, I think, helps people know that God is close and that the spirit is near and active. Now, not everybody who receives the Holy Spirit, who, who's close to Jesus, speaks in tongues. It's not everyone. Not everyone. If this doesn't happen to you, if you don't want it to happening, to you, you know, that's fine. But speaking in tongues allows us to pray beyond ourselves things that we would not think to pray of, things that you know we don't even know what it's about. It's God's prayers in Holy Spirit whisperings. Uh, it submits what we say to the Holy Spirit. It surrenders c- control to the Spirit of God. I think it builds our faith. It builds our closeness to Jesus. Um, it's the language of God whispering his heart to us in words that we can't understand, but that we receive and we agree with, and we speak out. When we speak in in tongues, when we pray in a spiritual language, there's a closeness of our words and language to God's words and language. And we know that our words are important. We know that our words have power. Here's the thing, every animal has like a special skill. So for example, hummingbirds. Their special skill is um, their, their wing speed. These little animals are capable of flying at 25 to 30 miles an hour. Their wings beat at an astonishing 80 times per second. They can fly straight up, straight down, backwards, even upside down. It's their special skill, and it's really amazing. Do you know what humans' special skill is? We're not the fastest animal. We, we we ain't the uh, strongest. Our sense of hearing or, or smell is really pathetic compared to other animals. You know what it is in terms of like special body motor skills? It's talking. Uh, Human Talking for humans is the human hummingbird wings. Uh, We can do this amazing thing where we can formulate speech at the same time as someone else is talking, and we can process complex speech patterns at the same time. There's no lag time. All other species have some sort of a a lag time in between their communication. Our brains are amazingly wired for fast uh, communication and processing. We can control our breath, intake, and and exhaling better than other uh, primates, chimpanzees. Uh, A scientist would tell you that humans have evolved this airway. I forget how it is, like the soft palate or or something, um, in a way that makes it a lot easier for us to choke to death compared to other primates, but is really good for us controlling our, our breath. So it's terrible for survival, but it allows us to make more sounds than any other primates. Speech is the most complex motor activity that most of us will do. It takes 10 years for kids to reach an adult level. So unless you're way more talented than I am, you can play the violin really well, or you're an acrobat, Uh, talking is the most complex motor skill that you will do. So talking is human special skill. And praying in tongues is one of our special skills blended with God's heart. The Holy Spirit fills our words, giving us new words and feelings that come from a place of intimacy with the heart of God. I pray in a uh, spiritual language, as do some of us in this church. Not everyone, um, but but some some others of us do here too. I remember the first time I had this experience. Um, I was about 22, 23. Um, I was at my parents' church uh, in Connecticut. I was at home for a month. I had nothing else to do. So I said, okay, fine. I'll, I'll go to, they were having this Saturday thing, um, a whole day long thing around the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, at the end of this time, you know who they want to pray for and everything, like the young one. I was like 20 or 30 years younger than anybody out there. So, oh, Sarah, she's so cute. I'm 23. I'm not cute, but I, oh, we, we have to pray for you. We have to pray for you. It's like, okay, fine, fine. So I go on up and they pray for me and they say, you know, if at some point in time, you know, you feel a phrase or, or a word, just don't stop and evaluate, just speak it out and we'll see what, we'll see what God does. And so they prayed over me um, and I felt like this one very distinct phrase in my mind. Um, and it was clear that there was something special about it. I kind of spoke it out I actually felt really like close to the Holy Spirit and really like special it was simple and, and short and sweet um, but it was significant for me and I, I left the church as i was leaving i was walking down the sidewalk uh, i thought about one of uh, my co-workers and uh, i did not particularly enjoy this co-worker it seemed like she was always trying to one up me like you know i've got the coffee in the morning i love coffee from this cafe oh coffee from that cafe mm-hmm. it's much much better at this other place she just she annoyed me. And having people who annoy you is all fun and games until you have to see them a lot. And then it's truly detrimental to your happiness, right? She would enter the room many times a day, and I would feel my blood pressure rise, and I did not enjoy it. I felt icky. This was not a great situation for me. So I was exiting the church. I remember the spot of the sidewalk I was standing in, and her, her name just came, came to my mind. I thought, No the Holy Spirit has filled my mind. I got the gift of tongues, like, oh my gosh, like I can't dislike somebody else like that and have my mind filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. They don't go together. And it just kind of like settled it for me in some ways. And it gave me a, a power over that and just kind of settled the argument. And I'm sure there were many times after that where I felt you know, annoyed by this person, she was not my favorite person. Um, but it ended the power that that had over me, and it just made it very clear for me that I had received this amazing thing from Jesus, and it was really encouraging. It was it was short and sweet. There were no thunderbolts. It was you know very simple, but it was very encouraging and impactful for me. So that's my experience with them. These guys, uh, they had that, and then um, the Holy Spirit came on them. They also prophesied. Now, prophecy can mean uh, foretelling or forth uh, Foretelling means to kind of predict the future in some type of a way. It's when God gives us a, a heads-up, lets us know what's going on, um, helps us prepare. The more common kind of prophecy that we see a lot more is forthtelling. Um, It's when God gives us insight into who he is, insight into who we are. It's when he explains and helps us understand what's happening here. And and now when God gives us clarity about a situation, helps us understand why we feel the way we do, helps us know what's going on with with our our kids. I don't really want to say that much about um, prophecy right now, but the bottom line is that God speaks to his kids. Our Heavenly Father does not give us the silent treatment. He he guides us, gives us direction, speaks to our plans, soothes our emotion. He is a loving Heavenly Father, and He communicates with His children. So this is how the church at Ephesus was started. Paul runs into this group of like pre-Christians who say we've repented, we're we're sorry, we liked getting baptized, we like this flavor of religion. What exactly did Jesus do? Wait, there's a guy called the Holy Spirit. They have this experience, uh, this encounter with Paul. They're baptized into the name of Jesus and not John, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and thus the church in the city of Ephesus is started. A number of years later, Paul writes to them again in the letter to the Ephesians, and says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. This is the story we're talking about right now. When they believed in Christ, he identified them as his own by giving them the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised that he has purchased us to be his own people. And he did this so we would praise and glorify him they get to live a life of spiritual blessing and joy, following Jesus. Paul knew how much better their life would be following Jesus and living in the legacy of the Holy Spirit. Paul did not have an easy life following Jesus, but he had the joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote lots of other books of the Bible, so we know a lot about how he approached life, how he approached uh, ministry, And he really focused on just the simple truth of Jesus. He says, I preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. He he says, I don't have fancy words, but I do have demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's power. Um, And this flowed over into his personal life. Uh, He writes in other letters in the Bible that he rejoices. He has joy in the Lord at all times. And that following Jesus, he's content in every circumstance. With the Holy Spirit, the Christian life just becomes so much easier and so much more full of joy. Friends, the life with the Holy Spirit is just plain better but don't take my word for it. Let's listen to the guy who has maybe the world's most difficult preaching job. This is the guy who has to preach to the Pope. Let's, uh, I've got a video up here. Let's take
1: a look at what he has to say. To experience the Spirit is like to be born again. It's a new, a new birth in the sense that everything becomes alive. Uh, The Holy Spirit doesn't change anything and He changes everything. It doesn't add anything to what Jesus has already said and instituted, but he makes all Jesus has said and done alive today. But this is what the Holy Spirit is meant to be. Uh, The one who accomplishes, who realizes, who reenacted the work of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a relationship, a person. Person. It's personal love between God the Father and the, the Son and if human love can change the life of two people, imagine what does the Holy Spirit with love in person. When he comes upon a person and when he, he is accepted, welcomed, whatever the Holy Spirit touches, the Holy Spirit changes. The Holy Spirit is a, is a friend. He wants to, to make us happy to make us uh, uh, enjoy full life. So I would say <clears throat> we should n- not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. It's normal that when, when we first approach the Holy Spirit, that there should be a reaction of our uh, laughter uh, uh, or uh, Tears, or jumping for joy, or speaking in tongues. I myself, I must confess, at the first time I was, I experienced this kind of presence of the Spirit. It was an irrepressible uh, desire of laughter. But I understood that this was a very special kind of laughter. Uh, The Holy Spirit is a spirit of, of. joy of freedom. It's marvelous to experience the Holy Spirit because where the Spirit is, there is freedom. It's simple. There can be a, 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 a more <clears throat> rewarding experience than to experience the Holy Spirit.
0: Hmm. I love that guy because I just, I know that he's seen the Holy Spirit because he has that joy. In him and I think that this morning there's an invitation to us to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit I also think that there's an invitation to us to experience the joy of the Holy Spirit we let so many things steal our joy right let's be honest most of the time it is not very difficult to steal our joy some days I just take my joy I put it out in a big box on the curb, free, to the first taker. If that first taker is frustration, annoyance, somebody else eating my my breakfast cereal, take my joy. Whether it's little words set out of place, whether it's uh, anxiety over time, whether it's minor arguments, I let so many things take my joy. Maybe my daughter is struggling to get out of the morning, out of the house on time on the morning, and, and where are your glasses? And I'm holding open the door for you, don't miss the bus, and you can take my joy and put it out right next to you by the sidewalk. What sort of things steal your joy? Is it your job? Does your job steal your joy? Do you let time constraints? steal your joy. This would be lovely, but I know we have to leave in exactly 12 minutes. Do we enjoy relationships? Or are we thinking about the things we want to do together and accomplish together and we want to get this conversation topic? Do, Do we enjoy the simple things of life? God wants us to have joy. God wants us to not give away our joy, but to receive it. God wants us to be happy, not rich, not not successful, but to be happy, to enjoy life, to love our families. Our kids are not problems to be solved or or adults to be reared, they're gifts to be enjoyed. Our jobs are not for climbing the corporate ladder, but, but for serving. God wants us to, to enjoy good conversations and laughter. God wants us to see the best in people and have rewarding friendships. I think we're supposed to feel the sunshine uh, on our face and, and be happy, to enjoy good food, enjoy good coffee, uh, to like sitting on the front porch on a spring day, to, to enjoy cute animals, to appreciate the beautiful things in life. And the Holy Spirit leads us into that. As we saw from the preacher to the Pope, there is a connection between joy and the Holy Spirit. And I actually think that joy gets us into the heart, the kind of lifestyle that God wants for us. What's this like morality or, or Christian lifestyle we're supposed to enjoy? good things we're supposed to appreciate people and see the best in them we're supposed to like the simple things we're supposed to enjoy the encouraging uplifting things i think morality is being happy with good i think sainthood is like a hearty laugh and a warm smile holiness is liking what's encouraging and helpful this is the life that jesus wants for us Living life in the Holy Spirit allows us to have power and to have joy. As we close this morning, let's think about these guys in our Bible story and worship team, if you want to come on up. These guys in our story in Acts, they entered into the fullness of what Jesus had done for them. They received the Holy Spirit. They chose closeness with God. What would have happened if they had refused this gift or if they had given it away, if they had said, cool, but that level of speaking with God, it's a little too much for me. People don't understand it. I'm fine. What happens if they had said, thanks, we'll take the Jesus part, but not the Holy spirit part. If they had said, you know, that's great, but I need to, I've got to find my happiness in some other places. I need people's compliments. I need more money. I'm going to find my joy in other places. The fullness of the Holy Spirit's gifts are ours. Don't don't give them away. Claim them, keep them, receive them. They're secured for us by Jesus' death and resurrection. Don't give away your joy. Don't give away your gifts. Don't give away your closeness with God. We want to receive it this morning. And the good news is that it's the gift that God loves to give. He's very generous. Would you stand with me? And let's pray together. Jesus, this morning, we want to say yes to you. And we want to say yes to the whole story of who you are and what you've done for us. It was not something that you ended and closed the book on 2,000 years ago. It's continuing right here and right now. Because every person right here and right now is your beloved child, your favorite, the apple of your eye. You would not think about withholding any good thing from us. Your love is overflowing to us, and what you want to give to us is so generous. You have good gifts for us this morning. As we enter into a time of worship this morning, um, it is our prayer together that we would receive, that we would not give away, we would not neglect or scorn your gifts to us this morning, but that we would receive it. say yes to you, Jesus. Just yes. Not because of anything we have done or have not done, but because of everything you have done. In Jesus' name.